Football Fridays here on the Zone Sports Network and coverage of the Las Vegas Raiders game against the Cleveland Browns on Sunday is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raiders debit card. Same great features and benefits now with the silver and black. Learn more at AmericaFirst.com slash Raiders. Raiders radio analyst Lincoln Kennedy joins us now. Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. You know, we were just uh, discussing that uh, a week from now we can talk Pac-12 with you. Your other hat, your other, uh, your other gig as well. We're we're yeah. we're eight days away, but for today we'll stick to the uh, stick to mostly NFL stuff here. And okay. I want to start off with okay, Raiders Browns. I know the Browns' record looks like they're good, but I just can't get out of my brain the last 20 years. I don't completely <laughs> trust them. I saw it was awesome with Cincinnati. I think the game had one punt early in the right. game. There right. were five touchdowns and five lead changes in the fourth quarter and uh, a clutch touchdown throw with 11 seconds left to win the game. And all I can think is, if you're really good, you would have blown Cincinnati out. Reaction? Well, <laughs> well you, can, you know, there are times where you have a team that, that, that just you look like uh, gangbusters when you go out and beat. And I always thought that's the case for, you know, Baker Mayfield playing against Cincinnati. If he could play against Cincinnati 16 times, then he'd be, you know, all pro. Uh, and, and definitely you're probably the MVP for the league. But the thing is that this the team is for real. Uh, Cleveland is for real. The, the, the five and two record is legit. They like to run the ball. Their defense gives up some stuff like like normal, like a lot of defenses around the league. But they, you know, the fact is that the formula that Stefanski has brought in with for Cleveland works because they have two of the best tandem running backs, in my opinion. Uh, when healthy, I know that, that Chubb was down, but you know, when healthy, and then they had a gang of receiving cores tight end. They had everything, including offensive line, that could generate points. Now the problem becomes for them it's when. Baker Mayfield is forced to pass, in my opinion, more than 25 times per game, then you're in trouble because he struggles more with zone defenses than he does versus man-on-man coverage, especially with the receivers that he had. Uh, it has. Um, but, you know, there are times where he starts to get flustered with pressure and he throws it to the other team. He makes those mistakes. So um, they're legit, and it's going to be a big test for the Raiders. And the main reason why it's a – well, not the main reason, but one of the reasons why it's a, a big test – is because both of these teams need this game. Um, the Raiders are at 500, and obviously with the Browns at 5-2, and two, you, you sit there and say, well, what, why is it a must-win so far? This is probably going to be for seeding in the playoffs. I do believe both these teams, the Raiders and the Browns, are playoff-caliber teams. Uh, but in the scenarios when you're talking about AFC, you talk about the tiebreakers and everything else, this becomes an important game for that reason alone. Do you think the Buccaneers are sort of hitting a stride now? Yes, without a doubt. With that defense and the fact that, you know, um, watching last week's game against the Raiders, I, I saw Tom Brady had a lot of time. When he has a lot of time, he's, he can be dangerous, and he's got weapons that he's building confidence. And now that they've added Antonio Brown, if Antonio Brown can get right for the rest of the season, he's a formidable threat because, you know, they had Mike Evans and Galladay coming into the season, uh, but they, the injuries have kind of hampered and slowed them down. And that's the reason why they went out there and made the Antonio Brown play. Uh, and so, you know, adding a receiver who's capable of doing as much as A.B. is, is, is you know, definitely dangerous, especially with the type of offense that Brady likes to run. The Rams just picked up their first win over a team with a winning record. They are 5-2, and two and that looks good. And then you realize four of the wins against the NFC East. So are the Rams that good, or is the NFC East that bad? And I guess you could really say, is the NFC West that good? Or is it just that they get to beat up on the East and that's padding their record? 
I, I, I think it's a little bit of all of that. Um, I, I do think the NFC West is a, is a good division, you know, top to bottom. I know San Francisco has had their issues. They're the defending NFC champion um, has had their issues this season with injuries. But I think that they're going to be able to pull it together because a lot of those injuries, except the, the, the Bosa one, um, is ones that they can rebound from, and I think they will. Um, but the, the thing is, is that the NFC West, to me, looks a lot like the old NFC East when the teams used to beat up on each other and we're all good and, and we're all vying for a playoffs or a championship run, I think you have that potentially out of the NFC, NFC West. With that being said, we'll learn more about when they get into the heat of their conference schedule because they were embarrassed. You know, the Rams were embarrassed by the 49ers. Um, so, you know, there are times where you're, you're sitting there saying, well, who, who is this team? But when you have one of the best defenders in the game and Aaron Donald, anything is possible. So we've seen a couple of young quarterbacks, uh, obviously Burrow in Cincinnati, and I think Herbert, and they haven't been winning a ton of games, but I think he's looked great for the Chargers and obviously has a very promising future, and we saw him up close as, uh, with the Pac-12 with Oregon. So now Tua gets his start here this weekend. Uh, first start, obviously, uh, but can I expect him to fall in line a little bit with what Burrow and uh, Herbert have done? I think it's I was I think it's a, a, extremely premature for the Dolphins to start Tua for two reasons. One, you're second in the division right now at a three and three record, and your quarterback Fitzpatrick hadn't been playing bad. He's actually been playing pretty well, and you've been scoring points. So why disrupt the momentum that you have? I understand that Tua is the future. I certainly agree with that. But in the game, and, and also the, 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 part of, the second part of it, is that you're going up against a stingy defense, with one, as I told you, one of the best players in the league in Aaron Donald. Why would you expose him to that? Why would you? And, and look, for what it's worth, the Rams last week when they played the Bears, they generated pressure not only from Aaron Donald, but everybody in the defensive line. And I just don't think that that's what you want to expose your quarterback for the first time. More importantly, because you're in a playoff run, why disrupt it? I think you're sending the wrong message. Um, I do think Tua will be fine. I, I, I don't doubt his ability. I just don't like the time in which you put the, which to put him in. Here's the thing. If they, the season was over, say they were like 3-10, and 10, let them play the last you know, three games or whatever it is. You know what I mean? But don't do it when you're in a playoff run because the you know, truth of the matter is that if New England beats Buffalo – uh, and, and, you know, the Rams find a way, I mean, not the Rams, the Dolphins find a way to win, they'll probably be, you know, tied for first base, I think it is. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. You know, why, why would you disrupt that or mess that up, potentially mess that up? So you played in the NFL a long time, and you know about the politics that can happen with players, coaches, GMs, owners, everybody's got their own agenda, right? And yes. at times everybody's going in the right direction, that's great, but then at times it's just all over the map. So I don't want to tell you who said this because I don't want it to uh, – uh, because honestly, when this person was saying this, I was kind of like, why do I want to listen to you? Why are you an expert? Um, I'll tell you who it is at the end. But first, the take, <laughs> the take was, and this caught me off guard a little bit, they were asked, is, um, are, are you good with the Dolphins going to Tua? And, and he said, I'm not at their practices. I don't know how he's progressing. I'm not in their meeting rooms. I don't know how he's progressing. But if he's progressing well, and the plan all along has been get to the bye week, let him see the game, maybe play him in spots a little bit and get him speed, then use the bye week, and then let's go. Because that's who he is, and that's where he is in his progression, and that's a good time. He says, if that's the deal, then... I'm on board. He says, but, and I'm a long way away, so I don't know this, but I'm looking at what Burrow's doing with the Bengals. 
and I'm looking at what Herbert's doing with the Chargers, and I'm thinking an owner just stepped into the middle of this and said, why isn't Tua playing? And he says, if that's what happened, I don't know what it is, but if it is, I am totally opposed to this. Yes, those things do happen. Uh, and, and there's no doubt that Tua is the future. Everyone knows that. You don't draft a quarterback that high to have him sit on the bench. I, and I don't have a problem with him eventually getting in. I'm just saying that right now, why the momentum is getting good. And here's the thing, and, and this is ultimately what, what I'm concerned about. Because of the pass rest, the potential defense of that Rams, what if he gets hurt? Hmm. What if he gets hurt again? You know what I mean? It, it's not. It, it's not that that I don't. You know, think that two is going to be good or whatever. It's not that at all. I just the timing is is really poor. It, to me, it, it really is. It's 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 a rushed decision that doesn't need to be made right now. There's no sense. And when you look at the rest of their schedule, I mean, they've got the Rams, then they take on the Cardinals, then they go to the Chargers. All three of those teams, and then Denver. Denver is is iffy because you never know who's going to be showing up as far as their pass rush. But all three of those teams have potential pass rushes. And, and great pass rushers. And, and so you've you got to be mindful of that when you put your quarterback, your young quarterback exposed to that, who's had a, a history of injury problems. I mean, what's the rush? It was Eric Mangini, the former Jets and Browns mm. coach. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, there have been – I've been around, I've heard, you know, guys – play for Al Davis – and Al was notorious, you know, saying, well, why isn't this guy playing or how come he can't get him in? He had his guys. And there were times where even Gruden had to stand up to him and was like, you know what, James Jett's not that good of a receiver. Yes, he's fast, but he doesn't run good routes. I don't have any need for him in my offense. And so, you know, James Jett was one of Al's guys, and that's why he was on the roster for as long as he was, but wasn't playing. I mean, so you have instances like that. It's, it carries greater weight when it's the quarterback because it's the future, it's the icon of the franchise. So I get it, but I just, I, the timing is all off for me. So Andy Dalton, I think, was a recipient of a vicious cheap shot, and yes. obviously a late hit and all that stuff. What do you make of, and there's been a lot made of it, that basically nobody who was on the field at that time came to his defense and went after Bostic? You know what, it's, it's a sign to me that the locker room and, and just the team itself is in disarray, because believe me, even if I didn't like the guy who was quarterback, and you know, if somebody took a shot at that, I'm, I'm getting in the guy's face. I'm going after him. So um, the, the, the first thing is, is that you, you see how the offensive, offensive people who are on the field, as you're talking about, responded to the hit and the fact that Andy Dalton was laid out and that no one went after you know, the, 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 Red, or the Washington football team defender, linebacker, who hit him. And I saw a similar – well, it was similar last night in the Carolina-Atlanta game when Bridgewater got hit. You saw how his offensive lineman responded. That's the way it's supposed to happen. When it doesn't, it leads you to believe that there's something that is truly going wrong in that locker room. I just believe the Cowboys are a team that are in constant disarray because they've always been the focal point of every season, whether good, bad, potentially good, potentially bad, whatever it is, we in the media have talked about the Cowboys at nauseum, and now it's a point where the team has no direction. They have no, really, don't really have any courage to tell you the truth because they're just, they're they're out there just going through the motions. I mean, they they're completely depleted, and I don't know how you get a hold of it. It's still you know, still got a lot of football to be played, but the Cowboys are just bad. 
Cincinnati Bengals traded Carlos Dunlap to Seattle. Does getting a pass rusher make that defense tougher? Because the offense is putting up huge numbers, but they keep playing a lot of close games because the defense has given up huge numbers. How much does yeah. a good pass rusher change that? Well, I think it does make it. You know, we talked about it. We we talked about the Rams. We talked about the Bears. You look at you look at guys or teams that have uh, you know good pass rush. They can keep things uh, keep things in check. And with this offense being number one. For the most part, as you said, they can score. It's just a matter of fact whether they can get a couple of stops. So it couldn't hurt, and they got them cheaply. So it wasn't that you know it really wasn't that big of a deal. We've seen a number of these top drifts. I was just looking at a mock draft here while I was talking to you, and a lot of these kids uh, opting out. Uh, what do you think you would have done in that situation when you knew you were going to play in the NFL by the end of your college career at Washington? I would have played. I would have taken every precaution I could, but I would have played. I'm not, you know, the thing is, is that you, when you sit around this long, you know, football's not something that you turn on and turn off like a light switch. It's, it's something that you got to, you know, prepare yourself for. So by playing would help me kept, kept in football shape. And, yeah, they sit there and talk about the potential of injury. Well, you can get hit by a bus if you cross the street the wrong way. I mean, so it, the injuries happen. It's part of the game, too. But don't think that you can protect yourself. What kids are doing these days, especially when it comes to the combine, is that they're, they're training, it's almost like training for a test, which is exactly what it is. Uh, they're, they're training for the combine, they're testing the combine. So if they get a good eye time or you know, a good T-test time or uh, you know, the, the, some of the other things, the variables like the bench press and the 40-yard dash, in this world of analytics, they think they have a higher chance of being drafted. Well, to me, analytics only goes so far. It's the eye test. I'm going to watch you play. And if you could play as you know in, in college on any level, then I, and I feel that I, you, you address a need, then I'll take a chance on you in, in the National Football League. Um, but this much time off, um, due to everything that's happened with the COVID and everything else, and you're pushing, I think it's too much downtime. Too many things can happen, especially for big guys trying to keep their weight down. So I would have played. Raider analyst Lincoln Kennedy joining us. He also is uh, a Pac-12 Networks analyst, and that's good because uh, now we got the college pro uh, combo question coming up. Oh, Trevor Lawrence, presumed number one pick, Jets, disaster, 0-7, and really not even looking competitive. And Lawrence says, oh, yeah, I might come back for my senior year. Okay, literally no one believes that, but it also feels like he's starting to go down that kind of Eli Manning, John Elway, hey, I don't know what I have to do to leverage my way out of New York and the Jets, but I'm going to do whatever it takes because I don't want any part of that. Now, maybe I'm reading too much into that. What do you think? Well, first of all, I'm of the mindset that if I'm the Jets, because I, I, don't, I don't believe that Sam Darnold is the problem. I believe Adam Gase is the problem. I believe there's so many other problems, but I don't believe Sam Darnold is the problem. So I'm not ready to give up on him. With that being said, if I were the Jets and I had the number one pick, I would trade back and get a bunch of picks because you've got a bunch of holes that you need to fill. Sort of like what the Raiders did, you know, and then sense of, you know, getting draft choices. Even the Dolphins, that's what they did over the past couple of years, getting draft choices and sort of building the team that way. So I'm of that mindset. But I do believe there's some truth to what you're saying about Trevor Lawrence not wanting to become a Jet. Uh, and, and so you, I hate the fact that we live in a time where, I mean, not this, because you can have, always have a choice, but to me it's something that is a pretty huge honor to be the number one pick overall in the draft. Not to say that you have to stay there. Hell, I went number nine to the Falcons, and I knew that the run and shoot wasn't going to be good for me, so I only signed a three-year deal. I took less money to make sure that I had the option to get out before it got too disastrous. 
Those are things that you can do. That's a strategy that you can use. But to be the first pick in the draft is a tremendous honor. And so I didn't like when Eli Manning did it. I knew why he did it, but I didn't like it when he did it. And I didn't want to set that necessarily set a precedent because it's only been done, I think, once before when John Elway did it. Uh, but in, the inst- in this instance, Trevor Lawrence, who's presumed to be the top pick in the draft, what I, tr- I try to tell every college kid, you don't have a choice all the time where you're going to go. You might have a choice of where you're going to end up, but where you start off doesn't really, it's not really your choice. So um, I, I don't want to overthink things, and I hope Trevor Lawrence isn't overthinking things, because right now, since he's tested positive for COVID and he's out for a while, who knows how he's going to respond after he comes back. So I think that might have something to do with it as well. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. You'll hear him on the Raider broadcast all year long right here on the Zone Sports Network. And next week, we are talking Pac-12 football with you, Lincoln. Yeah, I know, right? All right, we'll talk to you then. Thanks. Sounds good, guys. All right, bye-bye.